25. As the chapter begins, we see that Abraham has remarried at an old age to a woman by the name of Keturah. He's had children with her. They've had children of their own. They've, they've started to scatter out, live lives of their own. You remember a few chapters back, we saw that Abraham has already had a son by his Egyptian handmaid. Her, his name is Ishmael. He's had children of his own. They've started to, to live their lives. Made in life at a good old age. God kept his promise. He gave a son to Sarah and Abraham. The promised son. The one that God was going to use to, to carry out all that he had promised to Abraham. The one that he was going to establish his covenant with. Isaac. Abraham has lived a good life. 75 years old when he when he left the land of earth to follow God. He's 175 now. For 100 years he has walked with God. Good and bad. Happy and sad. Ups and downs. Twists and turns. He's made some mistakes. He's, he's fallen down quite a bit. Quite a few times. God's grace has always been sufficient. God's mercy has always abounded. God's love has always endured. For over 100 years, he was married to the same woman. A woman that he loved. The woman that when she, when she passed, he mourned. He weeped. The, the first mention of true, real tears in Scripture. Abraham has lived a good life. In the, in the previous chapter, we saw that his last piece of unfinished business Finding a wife for, for Isaac, we, we find that God answered that, that prayer. That he got him, a, got him a wife, Rebecca. But now, as happens to all people, it's come that time. All of us that are born, we're going to die. And Abraham, he's, he's come down to the end. And I picture it this way. Scripture don't really tell us, but, but, but chapter 25, I think it just kind of assumes that we have learned over the years the, the different things, and it just wants us to, to fill in the pieces. We've learned from chapters 12 through, 20, through 24, the missing pieces of the chapter that tells the rest of the story. So here's how I picture it. The messengers, they are sent out towards kids, to the grandkids. To Ishmael and his family. Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. You better come quick. It's the old man. He's about to die. He ain't got long left. Better drop everything and come now if you want to get to say goodbye. So they all come running, I picture it. They're, they're sitting around a, a bedside. Abraham maybe speaks some words of wisdom. He's learned a lot in his journey with God. A lot of good advice that he could give. Don't go down into Egypt. Don't go in tents with, with Hagar's. Don't go down in Gerar and tell lies the king of Imelech. He's learned a lot about how to just, just believe and trust in God and keep your faith in God's plan, not try to do it your own way. But we find that Abraham, he gives gifts to Keturah's kids. And I'm sure they were good gifts. 
wealthiest man in all the land. I'm sure that, that, that it was not just cheap little things and here this is what you get. We, we saw a few chapters back as, as Abraham was told by Sarah and then confirmed by God to, to get rid of Ishmael. We saw that it devastated Abraham because he loved Ishmael. And I'm sure he loved Keturah's kids. I'm sure he was a good dad. So I'm sure that the gifts that he gave them was good gifts. But they were gifts nonetheless. And then he sent them away, away from Isaac, away from the promised land, away from the promise. And he gave all that he had to Isaac. I want you to see the symbolism here. The old saying says, do not put all your eggs in one basket. Well, my mom had a, has a picture hanging on her in her house. And it says that I have placed all of my eggs in one basket, but then I gave the basket to God. And that's basically what we see Abraham doing here. He gives good gifts to Keturah's kid, but then the same as he did with Ishmael, he sends him away from Isaac. And he said, God, it's through him that you're going to establish your covenant. It's through him that you're going to make my name great. It's through him that you're going to bless those that bless me and curse those that curse me. It's through him that you're going to, to make me a great and a mighty nation. To give me as many descendants as there is grains of sand on the earth. As there is stars in the heavens. It's through Isaac. He's the promise. He's your will. He's your plan. So all that I am. All that I have. All that I have acquired. All that I can ever hope my name to become. I put it all in one basket. I put it all in Isaac. But God, then I give the basket to you. You've got to establish your covenant. You've got to do the work. You're the only one that can keep this promise. Abraham wasn't trying to do it his way anymore. He understood it was all God. And he was the only one that could that could keep his word here. You know, there's a lot of things in this life that people use to try to find happiness, to try to find joy, to try to find satisfaction, to try to find peace, to try to find contentment, to try to find happiness. Many people go to drugs and alcohol. I went that route. It don't work. You're always looking for that next hit, for that next drink, for that next fix. It's never enough. Some people choose a career, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with wanting a good job, nothing wrong with wanting a good career. It's responsible living. I encourage you. There's nothing wrong with wanting a good education so that you can go out and make something of your life. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be all that you can be. Nothing wrong with having nice things and wanting to have nice things. But you never find happiness, true happiness in those things. There's never enough money. There's never enough of the possession, whatever it might be that, that you want. You're always wanting more. You're always seeking more. People, they will always let you down eventually. I want to tell you, there's only one thing, or I should say only one person. That can never give you true happiness. That can never give you true contentment. That can never truly give you true joy with a peace 
that passes all understanding. There's only one that truly satisfies your soul. He's Jesus Christ. I'm glad that I can say today as I'm making this video that He is my Lord, that He is my Savior, that He is my King, that He is my God, that He is my hope, that He is my help, that He is my sustainer, my satisfier, my everything. And I'm glad that I can say that I have placed all of my eggs in one basket. And not only have I given the basket to God, but I have placed all of my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my plans in God, in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can truly satisfy. So I want to tell you, but there's nothing wrong with having those nice things. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to be somebody in this life and have a good job. But you can have all the money in the world. But if you don't have Jesus, you ain't got nothing. And then on the other hand, you can be poor. You can be broke. You can be barely getting by. But if you've got Jesus, then you've got all that you need in this life and in the one to come. Jesus said, I come to give life and give it more abundant. He wasn't talking about riches. He wasn't talking about earthly possessions. He was talking about something that the world or nothing or no one in the world can give. Peace, joy, satisfaction that can only come from Him. That can only come from Christ Jesus, my Lord. So if you're watching this video and you are saved, you do belong to Jesus. You have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And thank God. Praise the Lord. Continue to walk with Him. Continue to serve Him. Don't ever let go. Because there's nothing out there in the world. There's nothing behind you. That's worth what Christ came to give. And if you don't know Him. And there's that emptiness inside. There's that void. Something's missing. You say, well, well, I have all the fun. I have all the joys. I have the pleasures of sin. I make all the money. I, 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 I'm successful in life. But still feels like there's something missing. Yes. That's something. More specifically, that someone is Jesus Christ. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your God. He wants to give you life and give it more abundantly. And he wants to give you eternal life when this life is over. But you have to come to him and you have to say yes because he is a perfect gentleman. And he will not force himself upon anyone. I hope you choose Jesus today. I hope you put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. That you put all of everything you've got in Jesus Christ. The only one that can truly make you happy. I hope that you've got something out of this video. There's a whole lot more in chapter 25. We're, we'll be picking it up Monday morning with a familiar face coming back on the scene after being gone for about 75 years. Anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to talk to you. Thanks for all that's been participating. I hope you continue to, to journey through God's Word with me. Until next time, God bless. We continue our study through God's Word. We find ourselves still in Genesis chapter 25 at the death and the burial 
of Abraham. You might remember that in last Saturday's video, we saw that later on in the years, Abraham had married a woman by the name of Keturah, that they had had children who had had children of their own. They had scattered all throughout when the messengers came, spread the word that you better come quick. It's the old man. He's about to die. If you want to say your goodbyes, you better come now. So they all gathered around Abraham. He probably gave a few words of wisdom. And after he was done speaking, he gave gifts to Keturah's children. And then he sent them on their way. Just the same as he had Ishmael a few chapters back, the son that he had with his Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. He sent them on their way, away from Isaac, away from the promise. And he gave all that he had unto Isaac. He put all of his eggs in one basket, so to speak, and then he gave the basket to God. Well, now he's died. They're at the funeral. I want you to try to put yourself in the scene here. They're at the funeral. All the families gathered together. They're getting ready to do the memorial service, however they done them back in those days. And then off to the side, it starts to, to become a hush that falls upon the whole crowd as he walks through the people, as he walks down the center aisle, as he takes his place beside of Isaac on the front row. I'm talking about Ishmael. It's been 75 years since we've seen Ishmael. It's been 75 years since Ishmael and Isaac has been in the same room, in the same environment, at the same time. Abraham was 100 years old when he, when he was having that feast that, that Sarah told him, get rid of him. Get rid of Hagar, get rid of Ishmael, and then God confirmed it. It's been, it's been now 75 years as he's 175 when he dies. I don't figure they said too much, Isaac and Ishmael. I figure they just done the proceedings, done the funeral, however it would have been done in those days, I don't know. But whatever would have been done, I figure they just went through the motions, they got it done, and then Ishmael went on his way. We find that Ishmael had children, they had children, they had children. The generations advanced, they scattered, all started to live lives of their, of their own. And at 137 years old, Ishmael gave up the ghost and died. And he was gathered unto his people. And we don't see any mention of Isaac being there at his brother's funeral. 75 years passed. They have the funeral of their father. They don't speak. Ishmael goes his way. He lives out the rest of his life. He dies and Isaac just probably thinking good riddance. This world is better off without him. Thinking that's the end of, of Ishmael's story. That's, that's the last I'll hear of him. But those of you that know anything about history, you will know that through Ishmael, Came, came the Islamic nation, came the Muslim faith. You know, the, the war that's been going on, the, 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 all the terrorist attacks that's been done in the, in the name of Islam, all the things that, that has happened as a result 
of this story right here in the book of Genesis. Now, I'm not wanting to talk about that. I'm not, I'm not wanting to get in, into religious debates or, or political views or anything like that. But I just, want to, I just want to ask a question and wonder. What would have happened different over the history of our world if Ishmael would have come up to Isaac and stuck out his hand and said, you're my brother. I know you were young back then. I want you to know I'm sorry for anything that I've done and you're forgiven for anything that, you're, that you've done. Or on the other hand, if Isaac would have got up and said, I've missed you, big brother. I don't really remember what happened back then. I was just, I was just three or four years old. But I've missed having you around. I'm glad to see you. I love you. If I've done anything, I want you to know that I'm sorry. Anything that you've done, it's already been forgotten. It's already been forgiven. I wonder what would have happened if they would have just got up and made amends. If they would have just got up and said their apologies. I wonder how life for them would have been different. And I wonder how life for all of the Islamic nations, for the nation of Israel, and for the entire world that has been affected as a result of this family feud that starts right here in the book of Genesis, a family feud that I believe could have ended right here in Genesis chapter 25, if they would have just said the I'm sorry and let go of the grudge. Now we don't know. I know that it's a prophecy that all this stuff's going to be. I know that God told Hagar that, that, that he's a wild, going to be a wild man, that his hand is going to be against every man, that every man's hand is going to be against him. I know we can't stop God's prophecy. But I just wonder how the world might have changed with just a simple, I'm sorry, right here at the funeral of their dad, Abraham. You know, there might be somebody watching this video right now and you're holding a grudge against someone. Maybe you're the one that done the wrong. Now we all make mistakes. We all come short of the glory of God. So maybe you're the one that said something or done something that you shouldn't have. You know, it might just be that, that if you go and say, I'm sorry, that you find that it does you good. They might not even accept the apology, but you might find that it gives you a peace, that it, that it takes burdens off of your shoulders. And on the other hand, maybe the other person has done you wrong. Maybe they said something, did something, hurt you in, in some way. Maybe if you would just go to them and say, hey, you're forgiven. The relationship might not be repaired, but again, you might be surprised at what it does to your own heart. And you might also be surprised how God just goes ahead and fixes everything in the relationship, makes it brand new. A simple, I'm sorry, I believe could have changed history. I believe could have, could have changed the things that have happened to millions of people over the history of the, of the world since this day and, and could change, could have changed the, the things that's going to happen to a million more before Christ returns as a result of, of this family feud that, that is still taking place in our world today. Well, that's pretty much the message 
that I have today. There's more here in Genesis chapter 25 that I want to talk about. I don't really think that, that on a Facebook video I have time to get into it, but, but as we come back tomorrow morning's video, we're going to begin to look at the next generation, the birth of Esau and, and Jacob. I hope you've got something out of this video today. If anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, God bless. As we continue our study through God's Word, we find ourselves in the last part, Genesis chapter 25. And as we do, we find that Rebecca, Isaac's wife, is barren, that she's unable to have children. And that Isaac just simply continues to go to the Lord and, and pray for her, that he just remains faithful and steadfast in prayer. And you remember a few chapters back that when Isaac's mom and dad had this same problem, Abraham and Sarah, that Sarah came up with the ideal to send her Egyptian handmaid Hagar into the tent with Abraham, that Abraham laid with her, that she conceived, that she gave birth to a son, that she gave birth to Ishmael. And we all know the, the problems that came as a result of that decision, the problems that are still being felt and experienced to this very day as a result of that decision. But we see at least that in this case, in this situation, at least Isaac does a little bit better than his dad. And he just continues to pray for Rebecca. He just continues to trust and believe in God to, to keep his promise. Because you remember that God said, I will establish my covenant. I will make you a great and a mighty nation. It's all about God's grace. It's all about God's mercy. So Isaac wasn't going to try, at least in this time, in this case, he wasn't going to try to do it his way. But he was going to wait on God and allow God to do what only God can do in the first place and give the promise. And we find that God hears the prayers of Isaac. That he opens up the womb of Rebekah and that she conceives twins. And that they're really starting to fight and go at it right in the womb. She can tell from the, from the very beginning of the pregnancy that this is not a typical pregnancy. That something is going on. That these are just not typical kicks and, and movements of a baby. That they're throwing punches and knees and, 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 and head butts, so to speak. That they're really going at it. So, so she goes to the Lord and she asks him, what's going on? And he reveals to her that you're carrying twins, two nations. That they're always going to be like this. And that the, the, the elder, the oldest, is going to serve the youngest. Normally in those days, the oldest would get the birthright. The oldest would, would get the blessing, which in this case would be the promise that God gave to Abraham that was passed on to Isaac, inherited by Isaac. It would be inherited by the oldest child of Isaac and Rebekah. But that's not to be the case. God makes it clear that the elder will serve the younger. The youngest one is going to get the promise. The youngest one is going to get the blessing. We find that Esau comes out first. That he's the oldest. Coming out close behind is Jacob. Old Noam to the heel 
of Esau. They're fighting for that birthright right right from the beginning, right from birth. They're, they're fighting for that birthright, showing that Jacob wants it. And I think that that's important to notice for the rest of, of, of the story as we look over these next few days, as we look at the story of Esau and Jacob and this birthright and the blessings and the different things of the promise that God gave to Abraham, passed on to Isaac, that's going to be passed on to Jacob. I think it's important to notice that Jacob wanted it. He truly desired it. He was seeking it. In the womb, on, on the way out, at birth, holding on to the heel of Esau, he was seeking that promise of God. And he is the one that, that is to get it according to God's will, according to God's plan. But we find that these two babies, they grow into teenagers, into young men, that Isaac loves Esau because he's, he's a mighty hunter. He's good with the bow. Um, he, he likes his venison, his deer meat. And, but Rebecca, she likes, she loves Jacob the most. They both have favorite children. Jacob, he kind of becomes the, the mama's boy, so to speak. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just, just trying to illustrate the, the, the picture here that we're given in, in Scripture of this story. He becomes the mama's boy. He gets good in the kitchen, gets good at, at cooking. So one day Esau comes in after hunting. He's, he's hungry. He says, I'm, I'm starving, and I'm paraphrasing. This is Randy Barker's version, so to speak. But he says, I'm starving to death. Give me some of that pottage. Jacob was, was standing there making, making stew. Give me some of that pottage. Give me some of that stew. Give me a bowl of that soup, some bread. Give me something to eat. Jacob looked at him and said, sell me your birthright. What do I care about that? I'm, I'm starving to death. I'm going to die. You can have it. It's yours. So he gives him a bowl of a pottage, a bowl of soup, gives him some bread, he eats it. The birthright is now legally Jacob because Esau has, has just sold his inheritance. This was a big deal back in those days. You know, Isaac, he inherited all that Abraham had. Abraham was the wealthiest man in the land. So we're talking about quite a bit of inheritance here that Esau just sold. For a bowl of soup, a bowl of pottage, a bowl of stew, a bowl of soup. You say, well, he was starving to death. Well, you know, I don't see it that way. And I have seen a lot of preachers and heard a lot of preachers that preach that, that Jacob took advantage of a bad situation. In a way, I guess he did. But I also want to point out that I do not believe that Esau was starving to death. I do not believe he was at the point of malnutrition. So to speak. And I'll tell you why I believe that. I grew up hunting. I grew up in the country in a, in a country family um, with guns and bows in my hands. I, I was taught at an early age how to, how to get game. I was taught at an early age how to catch fish. I still love to, to go fishing. And the old saying I believe is true. That if you give a man a fish he will eat for a day. But if you teach a man to fish he will eat for a lifetime. Esau was a mighty hunter. He was good with a bow. I do not believe he was at the point of death. If he would have been like Hagar and Ishmael a few chapters back, laying in the desert, under a, under a bush, dying, starving, no hope, no help, then I could understand somewhat him selling his birthright. I still wouldn't have done it. But at least then we, we could see that he had a good excuse, a good reason. But I think that he just came in like, like a teenager. You've all probably heard teenagers do it. You've all probably done it yourself. I know that I have. Come in and, man, I'm starving to death. I'm really hungry. Well, 
in reality, we're not starving to death. We're not dying physically. We just want something to eat. And that's the case with Esau here in the story. He was just looking at the temporary. He was just looking at his desires. He was just looking at, I want some of that. And I'm willing to trade whatever to get it. He was willing to trade off the future. He was willing to trade off the inheritance. He was willing to trade off the promise of God to make a great and mighty nation, to bless all that bless him, to curse all that curse him. He was willing to trade that promise that God gave to Abraham for a bowl of soup. And he said, well, what could this possibly have to do with us today? How could we apply this today? Well, I want to tell you, if you're a Christian, if you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, if you're among those that are saved and you know it, then you are adopted into the family of God. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ to an inheritance, to a heavenly inheritance, to an eternal inheritance, to an inheritance that is incorruptible, that, that, that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be stolen, that rust and, and moth can, cannot come in and destroy, that thieves cannot break in and steal. You have an eternal inheritance that is literally out of this world. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, the, 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 crystal, the crystal sea, the, the tree of life. You, 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 you have, have, have eternal life in the presence of God with perfect peace, perfect joy. You have an inheritance that is like no other inheritance that, that, that you can get from anyone or anything in this world. And I want to tell you that the temptations are going to come your way. The, 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 the devil, like a roaring lion, is roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And he's going to come your way. And he's going to offer you things. And he's going to want you to sell your birthright. I want you to know that there is nothing or no one in this world worth giving up your birthright. Worth giving up your inheritance. Difficulties in life come. Struggles in life come. Heartaches and hardships in life come and go. But I want you to know that if you stay true to Jesus, if you continue to walk with Him, if you continue to do it His way and live for Him, then heaven is truly going to be worth it all. There is nothing in the world behind us that is worth trading heaven for. There is nothing in the world around us that is worth trading eternal life for. I have an inheritance. I have a birthright. It has been given to me, paid for, and provided by the blood of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And it is my determination that I will receive my inheritance. And I will not sell that inheritance for anything. I will not sell my birthright for anything. And I hope that that is the desire and determination of everyone that's watching this video today. And I hope that you have got something out of this video. We're going to continue looking at the story of Esau and Jacob tomorrow morning as we begin chapter 26. But I hope you've got something out of today's video. Anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for all that's been participating thus far. And I hope you continue to travel through God's Word with me. Until next time, God bless. We continue our study through God's Word.
We find ourselves in Genesis chapter 26. But before we start to look at chapter 26, I think it would do us a little bit of good to kind of do a refresher course, if you will. I know we've just looked at all these chapters over the last few days, but I think it would do us good if we would just kind of see what we have learned, what we have saw thus far from Genesis chapter 12 to now. Just kind of paint the background picture, if you will, to let us know where we are here in Genesis chapter 26. You remember back in Genesis chapter 12, the opening verses, God came to Abraham. He was living in the land of Ur at the time, an idol-worshiping country on the backside of Babylon. He was 75 years old. He was successful. His family, his friends, his neighbors was around him. He was, he was loved. He was respected. Everything was going good. But God comes to him and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave all of this behind. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great and a mighty nation. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. I will give you so many descendants that they can't be numbered. As many as, as there is sands of the earth. As many as there is stars of the heaven. I will make you a great people. I will make your name great. So Abraham packed up and he departed. He went on his way in search of this land. In search of this promised land, this city of God, if you will. He made some mistakes along the way. He faltered. He failed. His faith faltered and, and failed. He committed some sins. He done some things that, that was against God's will, but God's grace was sufficient. God's mercy abounded. God brought him through it each and every time. You remember he went in the tent with Hagar. He laid with her. He he had Ishmael as a son trying to, to, to get God's promise to Ishmael. But God said, no, it is not through Ishmael that I'm going to give you this promise. I, God said, I will establish my covenant with you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it to you. It's through my works, not through yours, Abraham. It's my grace. It's my mercy. It's my love. I'm going to establish my covenant and I'm going to do it through Isaac. After 25 years of waiting, Isaac came. Isaac grew into a young man. Abraham grew old. It came time for, for Abraham to, to leave this world, to go to that city that he's been in search of with foundations whose builder and maker is God. To go home to his eternal reward. But before he goes, he sends his servant back to his people to get a wife for Isaac. He returns with Rebecca, a good woman, a woman with character, a woman with morals. We're going to find out if we look at future chapters that she makes some mistakes and does some things wrong as well. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not a one of us is deserving of his grace and his mercy, but but his love endures and his grace is sufficient and his mercy abounds. And I'm thankful for that. But Rebecca comes back. She becomes his wife. They have children of their own, Jacob and Esau. Jacob is the younger and God said the younger is going to rule over the older. He, he's basically saying it's the younger that I'm giving this promise to. It's him that the covenant is going to be passed on to. So now everything is set in play. Isaac. 
chapter 26, Isaac chapter 1, if you will. Genesis chapter 26, it begins the story of Isaac. Abraham has passed on. Isaac is, I believe, at this time in the center of God's will. In fact, he is God's will. He is the one that we've waited on from chapter 12 to now. He's here. Everything is set in play. He's got a wife. He's got children of his own. God can now start to build this nation. God can now start to build this people. So surely everything's going to be perfect now, right? Life on easy street. No difficulties, no heartaches, no hardships. You say, why do you say that, preacher? Well, because he's in the center of God's will. And ain't that exactly what this prosperity gospel that so many in America is preaching today? Now, please don't turn the video off. And please don't think that I'm getting ready to start putting down these prosperity preachers. Because it's not my intentions to pick on anybody. It's not my intentions to put down anybody's message or anybody's style of preaching. But ain't that what they are teaching today? That you can live your best life now. That you send a hundred dollars, God returns a thousand. You send a thousand, God returns ten thousand. You send ten thousand, He returns a hundred thousand. That you get to drive the, the nice cars, live in the mansions, wear the nice clothes, ride on the jet plane. That that's what the life of a believer is all about. That the prosperous life is the blessed life. Ain't that what they teach? And they tell us that they get it. From scripture. That's what they say. That they get it from scripture. I want you to know. That that message does not come. From the Bible. It comes from bad Bible teachers. And bad Bible preachers. Because nowhere in God's word. Does it say. That the child of God. Is going to have life on easy street. In fact Jesus said. If you want to follow me. You got to deny yourself. And take up your cross. And follow. And he was not talking about a pretty gold chain. He was talking about the most extreme and violent means of, of torture and death in his time possibly ever. He did not promise that it would be easy. He told us that in this world we are going to have trouble, but to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. I do believe that a child of God will never go hungry. That God will take care of those that, that, that belong to him. That he feeds the sparrows. That he clothes the fields of, of grass and flowers and, and puts the leaves on the trees. I believe that he takes care of his creation. And therefore, he will much more take care of his children. But I don't believe that we're going to have life on easy street. And you say, well, where do you get that at? Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Isaac is... God's will. He is right where he's supposed to be at this point in his life, in his relationship with God. He is a child of God. He is the one that God is going to use to carry on the promise that he gave to his father Abraham. And we find 26 verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the day of Abraham. A famine in the land besides the first famine. From this we can understand that famines come and go. Difficulties come and go. Hardships come and go. Heartaches come and go. There's going to be tears in this life that we're going to have to cry. It's not going to be easy. 
But we've got to keep on keeping on if we want to win that prize, if we want to, if we want to make it to our heavenly inheritance. We've got to continue to put one foot in front of the other. We've got to continue to keep our faith and our trust in Jesus. We've got to continue to keep our little hands in his great big hands, so to speak, as I've heard many of the old timers testify and, and use that analogy. We've got to continue to stay true to God. But all too often, because of this, this prosperity message, when we're up on the mountains, we're saying, well, we're blessed by God. But then when the difficulties come, when the famines come, you see everybody ready to, to pack up and leave. You see everybody ready to, to run off, to leave God, to go out into the world and try to do it their way. And we see that that's exactly what Isaac was getting ready to do. That's exactly the thought that was coming to Isaac's mind because we see in verse 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform thy oath, the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heavens, and will give unto thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws." We find that Isaac was obviously thinking about going down into Egypt land. Or why else would God have had to have come to him and said, hey, don't do that. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're planning. Don't go down into Egypt land. Isaac, I'm right here with you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to keep my promises. That I gave to Abraham. The promise that you have inherited. The promise that has been passed on to you. I'm going to keep this promise. Don't go down in the Egypt land. Your dad tried that. It didn't work. It won't work for you. Stay where I have placed you. Stay in the land that I will tell you. Stay right here. In the center of my wheel. And Isaac I'm going to get you through this. And I'm going to keep my promises. And maybe Isaac could have said, well, God, you don't understand. I'm hungry. Yes, I do understand. You're in a family. God, you don't know that people's dying. Yes, I know. I know all things. Isaac, you're in a family. Listen to me, Bjorn. You might be going through a struggle right now. You might be going through a difficulty right now. You might be going through a situation right now that, that you say, well, God has forgotten about me. God don't care about me no more. That's not true. God loves you. God cares about you. He has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised that he will never put more on you than you can bear. He has promised that he will provide, that he will take care, that he will bring you through. Whatever it is you are going through. But don't go into Egypt land. Don't walk away. Just because you're going through a difficulty does not mean that God is not with you. He is right there beside you. He's going to get you through it. As the saying goes, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. But you've got to continue to keep your faith in him. You've got to continue to keep your trust in him. And you've got to understand you're just in a family. That don't mean that God's not there. I hope you got something out of this video. If anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless.
we continue our study through God's Word, we find ourselves still in Genesis chapter 26. Remember that yesterday morning, chapter began with a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Remember that a few chapters back, when we were looking at the life of Abraham, that shortly after God had called him to leave the land of Ur, the Chaldeans, that he a famine came into the land and Abraham made the decision to go down into Egypt land. And he told a lie. He got himself in a mess. But God's grace was sufficient. God's mercy abounded. God's love endured. And God brought him out. Well, now we see that another famine is in the land. Showing us that famines simply come and go. Hard times come and go. Difficulties in life come and go. But we see that this famine here that Isaac is obviously considering the same thing that his dad done because God comes to him and he says, don't go down into Egypt land. I'm right here with you. I'm going to bless you. All the promises that I gave to your dad, I'm going to, I'm going to keep every one of those promises. I'm going to make you a great and a mighty nation. I'm going to bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. I'm going, to, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the, as the sands of the earth, the stars of the heaven. I'm going to keep all of those promises, Isaac. Right now, you're just in a famine. Right now, you're just going through a storm and a difficulty. But I'm right here with you. And I'm going to get you through this. So don't go down into Egypt land. Don't go out into the world and try to do it your way. Try to do it on your own power. And we see that so far, in the first six verses of chapter 26, that Isaac does better, at least, than his dad did. He don't go into Egypt land. So far, so good. But then we come to verse number seven. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister. For he feared to say, She is my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. Oh no, here he goes. Same old thing that dad did. It didn't work for Abraham. It's not going to work for Isaac. But we find that the good news is that it's King Abimelech, the same exact individual that Abraham told this same lie to. And Abimelech's looking out his, looking out his window there, and he's looking down into the into the courtyard and he sees Isaac and Rebecca there sporting which basically means that the way that they're they're holding each other and kissing each other the affection that they're showing for each other that it ain't the affection that a brother and a sister would show for each other and he basically says to himself what is this there ain't no way that that can be his sister and any I imagine I picture it this way scripture don't tell us but I picture he thought oh yeah that's Abraham's kid. Yeah, I remember Abraham and Sarah, they tried that same one. It almost got us in a mess. God came to me in, in a dream and said, if you touch her, you will surely die. So he knew the, the consequences of touching another man's wife, at least the way that God saw it. He knew that Isaac was a man of God. So he came to the people and he said, hey, don't touch this man's wife. Don't touch this man. Again, it's by God's grace that Isaac and Rebekah is brought out of this same situation that he should have learned from the experience of Abraham. But God brings him out just as he brought Abraham and Sarah out. You know, that's the thing. The best teacher in the world is experience. 
preferably that of others. So many have made the mistakes in the past and we have seen that. We need to learn from that. We need to not do the things that, that they have done. We need to go by God's word, according to God's plan, according to God's will. Isaac done good staying out of Egypt. But then he, he gives in to the temptation and he goes right into the same old sin, the same old lie that his dad messed up twice. But we see God being an awesome God and God cleaning up the mess again and God bringing them out again. And then beginning at verse number 12, we see that Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. So here we see it starts to get turned around. But we see that as he trades his, his prosperity for, 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 the, for the famine, that now he's got money, that now he's, he's got a crop, that now he's got a good harvest, but that something else is going to happen. He just trades one problem for another. Again, showing the same point that I tried to make with yesterday morning's video with a famine being in the land. Besides the famine of Abraham, the famines come and go. Difficulties come and go for all people. The young, the old, the rich, the poor. It don't matter. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. And we find that what happens here is that the Philistines envied him. Meaning that they was jealous of him. So they came to him and they, they, they said, hey, that land that, that had such a good yield... We're taking that. And I'm just going to paraphrase out the rest of, of chapter 26 here. They come to him and they said, we're taking that. They throw him out. They tell him, you get on down the road. This is now our land. So he goes on down the road a ways. They, he digs a well. He finds water. They come and they take that well. He, he, he goes on down the road. He digs another well. They come and they take that well. And, and we see all through chapter 26 that there's one problem right after another. That it seems like Isaac can't catch a break. There was a famine at the beginning of the chapter. He made it through the, fact that the, the famine. God brought him through the famine. God blessed him, gave him an increase, gave him a good yield on his crops. They take that. He, he goes on without saying anything. He digs a well. They take that. He does the same thing, digs another one. They take that time and time again all throughout the chapter. It's one problem after another. And you've got to wonder. Or I imagine Isaac had to wonder anyway, when is it going to end and, and why? Why am I going through this? Why is it that, that I'm a child of God? Why is it that I'm following God? And we, we can ask the same things. Why is it that I'm a Christian and I read the Bible that I go to church and I try to live right and I try to do right and there's one difficulty after another that's coming my way? Well, it could be that it's for the same reason that we see that it was for Isaac that so many miss when they, when they read chapter 26. They don't see the reason. Look down here in, in verse number, beginning at verse 26, it says, Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Hahuzath, one of his friends, and Philka, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? Listen. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, let there be now an oath between us, even between us and thee, and let us make us a covenant with thee. And we see right there, 
that all the difficulties, beginning at the famine, him building a successful business, them taking it, him digging the wells time and time again, and them taking it. We see that all those struggles and all those difficulties was not about Isaac. It was about those that was watching Isaac. It was about those that's around Isaac. They saw the difficulties that he was going through, but they saw how he continued to serve the Lord, how he continued to worship God, how he continued to praise God, how he continued to keep putting one foot in front of the other and not turning away from God. And that caused them to say, hey, even in the midst of a storm, this man has peace. Even in the midst of a difficulty, this man has a smile. Even in the midst of, of all the trials and the struggles, he still continues to trust in his God who continues to time and time and time again bring him out. There might be something to this God. We got to go down there and talk to him. We got to go down there and make a peace treaty with him. We got to learn more about this God that he serves. Let me tell you something, Christian. You might be going through a difficulty today. But I want you to know that as you're going through that difficulty, everyone around you is watching you to see how you conduct yourself, to see how you handle that situation. And maybe, just maybe, if you continue to smile, if you continue to praise the Lord, if you continue to serve God, even through the storms, even in the fires, even in the difficulties, even in the floods, if you continue to walk with God and serve God, it might just be that you can bring others to Jesus. Through your difficulty, through your hardship, that God can use those tests that you are going through right now as a testimony of his goodness, of his grace, of his mercy, of his love, and of how he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that can cause them to say, hey, there's something to this God that he or she serves. There's something to this Jesus that, that speaks to the storms, peace be still, and, and the winds and the waves, God, cease and stop. There's something to this because they smile even in the midst of it all. And God can use that. And God can use you as you go through that if you allow him to, to win others to Christ. Well, I hope that you got something out of, out of this video this morning as more things that we could say about chapter 26, but for a Facebook video, I really don't have time. So I hope that you got something out of the video. If anyone has any questions, concerns, or comments, leave me a message. I'd love to talk to you. Until next time, God bless.